This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Welcome into the Steelers Standard. I am Tom Opferman, and with me, as always, is Jacob Recht. Steelers go to Buffalo to start things off week one of the season. Certainly is a much different vibe than last year when they went to the same state, but they just played a much lesser team in the New York football Giants. Now they're playing against a Super Bowl contender in the Buffalo Bills and just dive right in this episode, full matchup breakdown of Steelers Bills this Sunday. And I got to start at the very top. The man who stirs the drink for Buffalo, number 17, Josh Allen, a guy they picked very high in the draft a few years back to the criticism of so many people thinking, what a reach, what a terrible pick from Buffalo. Well, fast forward, they might have the second best quarterback in the league for the next decade behind Patrick Mahomes. That's how good Josh Allen has improved year after year after year. Completion percentage flirting around 70% last year. That's aces in the NFL. That's Drew Brees kind of level of accuracy. Something that was such a plague for him coming out of college is that accurate arm. And only having completion percentages in the high 50s in his first couple years in the NFL. This guy just improves all the time. And that's why I hitch my wagon to that guy. That's why I offer the contract that the Bills did to lock him up forever. Every single thing so far tells you he's not going to hit a wall. He keeps getting better. And he was the runner-up for MVP last year to Aaron Rodgers. I think he's the favorite in my mind to win MVP this year. According to the betting world, it's Mahomes at plus 500. Then it's Rodgers at plus 1,000. And then it's Josh Allen, number three favorite at plus 1,200. Love those odds. Bet $100, win 1,200. Thank you very much. I think Allen's going to win the MVP this year. I really have that much faith in this kid's season. Tom, I think Josh Allen got very unlucky last year with old man Rodgers coming back and winning the MVP unexpectedly. No, I mean, we all know the talent of Aaron Rodgers, but we did not expect him to have an MVP caliber season at his age when Josh Allen is as young as he is and having just as good, if not better, of a season as just Aaron Rodgers so impressive to do it at his age. Tom, I kind of feel like it could happen again to Josh Allen where he has another MVP caliber season, but he gets beat out by an old man. Except this time, it's the old man you really don't want to see win the MVP Tom Brady put on a show last night, Tom, and people were saying this could be a two-loss team. This could be Brady's best season since 07. And if that's the case, you got to give Brady the MVP because if he's having an 07 caliber season, that's MVP status no matter who you are. And if you're playing at that level at the age of, what, 42, 43, you got to give it to him. I just feel bad for Josh Allen who could possibly lose out on back-to-back MVPs to a 38-year-old and a 43-year-old. You know what? I feel bad for Josh Allen. I also feel bad for Patrick Mahomes because it's kind of just like he's going to be the best quarterback in the Mm -hmm. league this year, and he kind of is going to fall into that LeBron James trap. It's the same trap that Tom Brady honestly fell in a couple times in his career. Peyton Manning fell in it a few times. You know, you're just so consistently great and so good year after year that it almost becomes a given when you perform like an MVP. And that kind of puts you on the back burner in a lot of these voters' minds. So a guy that, you know, stepped up and and really shows out like a Lamar Jackson two years ago for the first time, that's the one that they're like, wow, that guy's really great. Like that guy came out of nowhere and look at what he's doing for his team. I I think Lamar was the MVP, by the way, in 2019, but I'm just kind of using that as an example. 
But then on that other side of the coin, they also love to give it to guys that already have had the reward before and just stack legacies. I mean, you see it with the depoy with Aaron Donald. I mean, last year could have gone to T.J. Watt, some new blood in that category, but they gave it to Donald and gave him his third one. With Rodgers, he gets his second career MVP last season, starts stacking those accolades up. Brady would be his fifth if he were to win it this year. So I could totally see a 14-3, and 15-2 Tampa Bay Buccaneers team with a Tom Brady who's in top five in most statistical categories for quarterback play, him getting that nod and getting that fifth MVP. Because then, then it's just the story of, oh, he has seven Super Bowls, he's going to go for his eighth this year, and now he has his fifth MVP. It's, and just, that's it's the, just making the rich richer, and it's a storyline the NFL loves to keep feeding. And the MVP, that's the one thing that – Peyton Manning can hold over Tom Brady. Peyton Manning has the record with the most MVPs of a career with five. But if Brady ties it, there's no there's no conversation. I don't. I think that conversation ended a, a couple Super Bowl wins ago for Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning is who really is the best quarterback of that era or or maybe ever between the two of them. But if Brady can match Peyton Manning's MVP count, then. I, I hate to say this about Peyton Manning. You really can't even mention him in the same breath as Tom Brady because if you have the MVP regular season success and the postseason success, it's over, right? It is over. But back to Josh Allen, the man of the hour. Um, Steelers need to get in his kitchen in order to have success on Sunday. Uh, he doesn't turn the ball over much in the air, but what he does do is he puts the ball on the ground via the fumble, strip sack. If he takes off running, you can punch at that ball and knock it loose. Second most fumbles in the past three seasons, only to Carson Wentz of the Philadelphia Eagles and now the Indianapolis Colts. So, yeah, that's his one big blind spot is his ball security. TJ, I'm looking at you. Let's see that TJ Watt punch if Allen starts to run out of the pocket. And, you know, Keith Butler also mentioned, you know, with running quarterbacks, you know, they really do expose themselves, and you can get some licks on a guy that runs more than another quarterback and refs are gonna you know let it slide a little bit more you've seen that throughout all of big ben's career where hits that you think brady or rogers would have gotten a flag on the refs pocket their whistle because big ben's just such a big dude in that they think that he can take it or there's just some psychological thing with the refs that are like oh well it's ben he's fine you saw the same thing with cam newton and you're gonna see the same thing with josh allen you know the thing i take a little umbrage with with keith butler is yeah of course lay the wood on that quarterback if he gets out of the pocket and really make his life hard and hit him but Man, that's a hard guy for even linebackers to hit and take down. I mean, he is a girthy dude. Like, you tackle him if you're Joe Schobert. Obviously, you should get the better of that matchup, but it's not going to be a picnic. It's not going to be like tackling Russell Wilson or Lamar Jackson. I mean, he's going to hit you just as hard on on his side of things. So, yeah, I get what Butler's saying. Yeah, you got to make him uncomfortable. You got to hit him. You got to knock him around. You know, he, he he opens himself up for more hits because he runs, but Allen's body can take those more hits that he opens himself up to. I think you're right. I think he can, but every man has his threshold. Every man has his breaking point, and I'm not saying the Steelers are going to break that for him. I do think, though, they are going to be able to frustrate him enough where you're going to see a lot of collapse pockets. You're going to be seeing... I don't think the run game for Buffalo is going to even be not even a non-factor. It's just not going to be talked about at all. Just the fact... The only way it's going to be talked about is the fact that how underutilized it was, but not to their own fault, just because they have a great passing option, passing quarterback in Josh Allen. But Josh Allen thrives, even though he can throw the ball 40, 50 times a game, he thrives because he's able to take hits, yes, 
But to take hits over and over and over, I mean, I, I, I just really think that that can get frustrating to him very easily. Yeah, and I think that's exactly what you got to go with if you're the Steelers. Make his life hard. Make him uncomfortable. Jostle him around in that pocket a little bit. And try to force some turnovers, whether that be stripping the ball from him or having his uncomfortable day in that pocket lead him to throw something errantly and get it picked off by Minka or Hayden in the secondary. So that's the biggest key for the Steelers, I think, defensively to stop the Buffalo Bills. You know, the running game for Buffalo ain't that much of a threat. Zach Moss uh, is their number one back, or Devin Singletary. It kind of is a, a, a rotation there. And then, of course, they also went out and they got Matt Breida, but... I don't think this is a team that wants to run the football. I think you're going to see them go out in 11 personnel. You're going to have one running back, one tight end, and at least three or four receivers spread out. They're a pass-first football team, and anything that they're going to do in the ground game is going to come from, I think, Josh Allen. You know, Maybe early in the game they try to hand the ball off to Singletary, see if they can get a little momentum going. But if you're the Steelers, you got to cut that off right away. You need to make them one-dimensional. Even though they want to play kind of as a one-dimensional team, don't don't give them, you know, the opportunity to hit you in the ground game as well. They're just too good in the passing game to be messing around with that. I don't think that'll happen, Tom. I, Based I, on the Steelers being great or the Bills just not running I think well. both. So. I mean, the Steelers are as good of it, as good as it gets when it comes to ru- playing against the run. Uh, that didn't happen the full season last year when you lost Devin Bush and we saw those numbers really take a hit. We saw teams run rampant against the Steelers once Devin Bush was lost and especially once Budget Pre was also done for the season. But now that you have a legitimate now that you have Devin Bush back and your defense is, is pretty much back to where it was, on paper at least, back to where it was a season ago. Minus Stefan Tuit, who you can expect to be back at some point. He obvi- he won't be there week one, but this is as good as it, as good as it gets when it comes to a, a rushing defense, and as bad as it gets when it comes to a rushing offense. So I don't really think either one will have the edge here in terms of the Steelers' defense being that good, or, the, or their Bills' rushing defense being that or rushing offense being that bad. I think both will contribute to how much you'll see Josh Allen really take over this game. As much as I love Josh Allen, think he's top five in the league, think he's a front runner for the MVP this year, he's not the guy I'm most worried about on that offensive side of the ball. That would be Stefan Diggs. Look, with Josh Allen, all the things we just said, get pressure, try to punch the ball out, those are things the Steelers do better than anybody in the NFL for the past four seasons. T.J. Watt, Melvin Ingram, Highsmith if he's healthy and can play, Hayward, Alu-Alu. I know you're going to be missing to it, but you should still be fine. You should be able to get a ton of pressure on this guy. I'm confident in them being able to uh, utilize that aspect of the game plan. Covering Stefan Diggs, though, is a completely different story, man. Maybe Joe Hayden shadows him. I don't think Hayden's got the skill set and is fast enough to cover him. Uh, Steven Nelson, a little bit of his downfall last year came in that game against Buffalo when Diggs just torched him for the most part. And I can't really blame Steven Nelson because Stefan Diggs is top three in this league at the very least. And you could make the very good argument that he's the number one receiver in football. The stats bear that led the league in receptions or receiving yards last year and in targets. So he's so freaking elite. And I just don't think you can get things done by just single coverage on this guy. And I, I think Minka's going to have to really shadow Stefan Diggs' side of the field, which obviously that hinders the ability for Minka to kind of do some other things and kind of free range. But 
just don't think you have that luxury in this kind of a game. You need the double team on Diggs almost all the time, or else he's just going to burn you. And even with that double team, he might still burn you. He's that good of a receiver. So I get real nervous about Diggs. That's the matchup nightmare as far as I'm concerned. Allen, yeah, great player. But the guy he's throwing to, I think, is the one that is the key for that Bills offense in this game. And the Steelers secondary had a ton of question marks all offseason. What a test they're going to have to face right out of the gate. And again, I'm I'm glad you mentioned Josh Allen quickly there just because you're comfortable with the guys up front for the Steelers defense to contain Josh Allen. The secondary against Stephon Diggs does seem like a little bit of a mismatch, no matter which cornerback you put on him. And as much help as Minky Fitzpatrick can provide, you still think that Stephon Diggs isn't going to go man-to-man with Minka Fitzpatrick. If that were the case, I'd feel a lot better about it. But Minka Fitzpatrick has to watch the entire field. He can't always have his eyes on Stephon Diggs. And whether it's Joe Hayden, Cam Sutton, James Pierre, you do feel like Stephon Diggs has the edge over all three of those guys. And when it comes to containing Josh Allen, you're a lot more comfortable with those guys containing up front containing Josh Allen than you guys are than you are in the secondary containing Stephon Diggs. And they don't have any slouches around Diggs either. They go out and they get Emmanuel Sanders to replace John Brown. You could make that a case of an upgrade as far as that receiver position is concerned, even though Sanders I think is it's getting up there. I think it's an upgrade. But, yeah, at the very least, it's a neutral move. It's not – they didn't get any worse at the right. receiving core. So they get Manny Sanders to be a it, compliment to Diggs. It wasn't a uh, – refresh my memory because I've blocked his name out. The guy who started the 2018 or 2019 season with about a billion drops, Dante Moncrief. <laughs> oh, my God. I forgot all about Dante Moncrief. Yeah, that guy sucked. But, no, it's not that case at all. Manny Manny Sanders is a damn good player. Pittsburgh, you're very familiar with Emmanuel Sanders. Great career in Denver as well after he left Pittsburgh. But now he's a really good compliment guy. Uh, Complimented well in New Orleans last season to Michael Thomas, even though Michael Thomas could not stay healthy and on the field. Uh, Now he's going to be that compliment guy to Stephon Diggs, but he ain't alone as far as that compliment is concerned. Cole Beasley, really good slot receiver, going to be a handful for the Steelers. You're going to see a lot of that Steelers nickel package because the Bills are going to force that on Pittsburgh in this game. Uh, I like Joe Schobert as far as a cover linebacker, but Cole Beasley is a whole different animal as far as a linebacker trying to cover him. That's a real tall task. So you worry about that. And the guy that I think is underrated, kind of flying under radars, is their version of James Washington, and that's Gabe Davis, the second-year man out of Central Florida. Got a bit of a deep threat about him. And Allen likes him. He used him a lot last year, and you saw him use him in the preseason this year as well. So they got really good three receivers surrounding Stephon Diggs. It's not just a one-man show. It's what makes me have a stomach ulcer thinking about this game is that secondary matchup with the Bills receiving core. I think it could be a problem just because we don't really talk about compared to the Steelers how great the wide receiver death is for them. We haven't really discussed much the receiver depth for Buffalo, but the, what I've said when we have made that dis- when we have had that discussion is what separates Buffalo's receiving core from Pittsburgh's is the play of Stephon Diggs, right? You know who the number one guy is. You can draw Minka Fitzpatrick to the left or right side, whichever side he lines up on, and then use your other guys like Emmanuel Sanders, like Cole Beasley, to really take up or, or, or stack yardage because your greatest passing uh, 
defensive threat, Mika Fitzpatrick, is covering your number one threat. That's what really separates a great wide receiving core from one like the Steelers, who just have a, a lot of good names. They don't have a, a really great name like they have in Stephon, like Buffalo has in Stephon Diggs. So it, it definitely could be an issue when all three of the guys behind Stephon Diggs are wide receiver two capable. It's just they have three guys there. And wide receiver one is is a is a for sure thing in Stephon Diggs. I also worry about even though this is a top three defense at the very least in my mind, if if healthy all year in Pittsburgh, I still worry if the best way to go about Buffalo beating Buffalo, or if the only way you can go about beating Buffalo is getting in a bit of a shootout with that offense and Josh Allen. Steelers offense, I question the ability to stay in shootouts with a 39 year old quarterback. I think that's a fair question to have. They do have an improved running game, though, and they're probably going to lean on that early and often in this game, establish that run. The Bills' rush defense is very average, 16th in the league last year as far as yards surrendered in the rushing game. But, you know, talking to Matt Williamson throughout the week, he keeps echoing, you know, that seems like a very big uh, thing that you can exploit. But Buffalo kind of wants you to do that. They're kind of like baiting you into mm -hmm. running the ball. They're like, yeah, you know what? Burn some clock. Try to run the ball. Try to go on long drives. We'll probably You probably won't be successful on every single one. We'll force you to punt a fair share. But they almost want to bait you into running the ball, give you this false sense of it's, a, it's easy to run the ball. Let's just keep running the football against them because they know that you can't get in a shootout with their guy, Josh Allen, just by running the ball, ground and pound, ground and pound. You you spend five minutes driving down the field to kick a field goal, Josh Allen spends a minute getting the ball into the end zone. That's how explosive that offense is. So, you know, I get where he's coming from, that they almost are kind of like, please, run the ball against us. But, you know, that strategy can only go so far. I mean, if you're gashing them for four, five, six yards every carry, and you're keeping the ball and you're ending these drives with touchdowns, you know, then they're going to be in some serious trouble. I mean, then they have to score almost every single time they touch the ball or else the Bills will be behind the eight ball. So even though but the Bills are capable of scoring behind the eight ball. Right. Yeah, they are. But because I if that if that comes to it, if they're playing from behind, what does that mean? They're not going to spend a single second running the ball, considering running the ball. They're going to go to Josh Allen. And I just think that the Steelers still have it in their best interest to to play into that, you know, I know you're kind of flirting with a trap kind of, and the Bills kind of want you to do it, but run the dang football, man. Give that ball to Najee Harris. Have him go crazy. Best way to put some confidence in your young offensive line on the road as well is road grade. Get them out there and fire off the ball and, and run block and, and have them push bodies around. Get that confidence up so later in the game they know, okay, big pass rush is coming. It's third and seven. We're passing the ball. I can hold Jerry Hughes off. I've been kicking his ass on run blocks all game long. I'm, I sure as hell can catch him on a pass rush and, and manhandle him. I've been manhandling him all day. So I think it's great to get the confidence rolling. And, man, I just, I'll just i be honest. As a fan, I'm so excited to see Najee play. I mean, I've been waiting all offseason to see his preseason action, and it did not disappoint in the limited action he had throughout the first three preseason games. I am so excited to see what this dude does in a full NFL game. Training wheels completely off. Not just running the ball, though. 
We didn't really see him utilize much in the passing game mm-hmm. other than his one safety valves out of the backfield. But And his one 45-yard catch. This run. dude is going to line up outside the numbers. He's going to look like a wide receiver. He's going to run run wide receiver routes. I heard Mike Prezuda say on the DVE show last night that Devin Bush has been trying to cover Najee Harris all through camp, and he has not been doing well <laughs> at it. Uh, and that's not an indictment on Bush, who obviously no. has coverage problems. But they're just saying that just shows Najee Harris is is going to be a dude. I know fantasy doesn't really matter, but top fantasy backs translates to success on the field, and he's going to be a top five fantasy football running back this year. So. Oh, I I took him in as many leagues as I could snag him. Exactly, I think he's a steal. People are getting later in the first round. He's going to be a top five back. He could be the best back in football this year. He'll he'll be there with Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook as far as the top dogs. It's the passing game, too, that, that makes right. him that he's, X factor. He's going to join that club of really just McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara of year in, year out, 1,000 yards rushing, 500 yards receiving. I think he could he's easily He's a future accompl- number one overall fantasy pick. Yeah, I think he'd easily accomplish that. And as you said, Tom, fantasy success usually translates to— oh, Especially, yeah, of course. Usually translates to real NFL success. And when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers, this is—it's hard to compare and contrast him and Le'Veon Bell, but— the way the state of the running back room was left after Le'Veon Bell made his departure, this not only could lead to success for Najee Harris individually, but for the team as a whole. I think going back to one of the earlier points you made talking about this offense is in order to really negate the talent of Josh Allen or make Josh Allen a non-factor isn't to, to get to him in the pocket. It's to keep him on the sidelines. And the way you do that is by running the ball through Najee Harris. What Najee brings to the table as well as the running game is, of course, the passing game, like we just said. The Steelers have seven legitimate targets in their passing offense. That's probably the best in the NFL. I mean, I'm not saying they have the best core. They don't have the best receiver on their team, of course. but And they're still trying to kind of parse through who's going to be that number one guy. But seven legitimate N- NFL targets, the four wide receivers, Deontay, Juju, Chase Claypool, and James Washington, the two tights, Firemuth and Ebron, and then Najee Harris as a running back. That's unbelievable. And for a team that loves to play nickel more than anybody in the NFL, 90% of the snaps last year, the Bills went nickel package. That still might not be enough to cover everybody. And Ben Roethlisberger, I hope and pray to God that that offensive line can give you two, three, even four seconds in that pocket because you got a lot of reads that you can go through with this offense, and I'm going to find it hard-pressed that there will be four or five guys completely covered on every single down for the Steelers. Those situations where Ben's going to have to just eat the ball or throw it away, I think those are going to be very few and far between this year. I love this receiving core, and I love the weapons in the passing game beyond the receiving core. Uh, Fryermuth, I think, is a great, great weapon that Ben kind of wanted to keep a secret, but the secret's kind of out after his preseason performance against the Lions. He's now listed as the number one tight end with Eric Ebron, so you're going to see a lot of double tight. I mean, that that's the place where I see mismatches in this game. I, I think, obviously, the secondary for the Bills, especially Tredavious White, is, is a very formidable one. But I think Ebron and Fryermuth and then Najee Harris as well can create all kinds of mismatch hell over the middle with those linebackers. Not to say Edmonds and Milano aren't slouches in the middle for Buffalo, 
But Ebron, despite the fact that he has trouble with the drops, I mean, that's a nightmare of a matchup for any defense. When he catches the ball. He's so big and fast. He's huge. It's just, it's impossible. He can break tackles. He's fast, too. I mean, like you just said, he's fast for a big man. But you're talking about one of your two starting tight ends on the Steelers' depth chart that they released for this week one game. They didn't put Eric Ebron, tight end one, Pat Fryermuth, number two. They just said, we're going to play both of them all game long. And it the the and you know the, what I like that not just in the passing game I like Firemuth being on the other side of Dan Moore and I like Ebron even though he doesn't block on the other side of Chooks just a little extra stability there you got uh, more you got so Firemuth next to Moore to right. help that rookie out I mean it's two rookies next to each other but they're still oh, man. <laughs> four you didn't, rookies you didn't consider that did no, you no four rookies are at the fulcrum of the Steelers offense it's insanity. But, yeah, I didn't consider that. But he still needs all the help he can get. He absolutely can. But Najee Harris, again, is the running back, is the is one of the few running backs who doesn't necessarily need even an average offensive line to have a good day. I mean, this was the guy who was hurling defenders in the preseason. Like, slow your brakes, Skate. We need you for the regular season. If he's doing that against teams in the preseason, I can't imagine what he's going to do full throttle, stopping his foot on the gas pedal uh, in the regular season. But – when it comes to him being involved in the passing game, I think the Steelers can provide a mismatch to opposing defenses any given week just because of the amount of options they have for Ben. Seven guys, four receivers, two tight ends, one great running back. That is not going to be easy to play against. Well, another thing that I think is huge for the Steelers offensively is to just not turn the ball over. Uh, In the game last year against Buffalo, the Steelers played extremely well in Buffalo and even had the lead late into the first half. And then Big Ben's pick six, Bills take it to the house, turns momentum completely on its head, and the Bills come out and just punch the Steelers in the mouth in the second half and end up winning and covering the spread up in Buffalo. So... Protect that football against this Bills defense. They turned the ball over almost just as much as the Steelers. I believe they had one less turnover than Pittsburgh did all of last season. So that's how you play with fire. When you give Josh Allen and that prolific offense a short field to work with, and that's how you can really take the air out of your defense's tires as well. So, man, I would protect the hell out of that ball if I'm Big Ben. I don't want to risk any kind of of an interception, any kind of a turnover at all. I think that's humongous for them, even more so than Ben lighting it up, throwing the ball downfield. I think it's got to be protecting that football and kind of being a little bit more of a conservative offense against the Buffalo Bills. I think that's a great way to go about it. And, I mean, you you briefly touched on it, but the Steelers are pretty much in that game against the Bills until that pick six. Yes. That really slowed things down for the Steelers, and they were doing a good job of protecting the ball. And it just it's it's unfortunate that an untimely error like that one, an untimely interception that, you know, an interception could have been okay to deal with, to recover from. The Steelers defense is, is capable enough to slow down a team uh in terms of momentum and not giving it away completely. But when it's a pick six, you have no control over that as a defense. You gotta you're literally left in the sideline to do nothing because now, again, the offense is going back out there, and this is the offense that took such a step back, took their break, took their foot way off the gas pedal last year toward the end of the season. And 
I don't, I don't know exactly what happened after that, but I'm sure it didn't end in points. The Steelers' next drive to kind of bounce back after that pick six. So not just a bad error, but a very untimely and costly error for the Steelers. You can't afford to have one of those again this week. Prediction time. Time to make our game oh picks for Steelers and Bills. Highmark Stadium, Orchard Park, New York, is the scene of the crime Sunday at 1 o'clock. Buffalo is a minus 6.5-point favorite. I think the Steelers keep it closer than that. I know that the Bills have covered the spread the past two years, but I don't think it happens the third straight year. I got the Steelers at least covering, so if you're a gambling man, I'd bet on Pittsburgh. But if you're trying to just pick who's going to win this game, unfortunately, I think the Bills are going to edge out the Pittsburgh Steelers. I got this game somewhere at 31-27, to 27, Buffalo. Hmm. You know I'm not a betting man, so I'm not even going to look at the lines except for when we're doing our Fireside Fridays. Triple play. Our triple play during exactly. our fireside You'll get Fridays. It. We're new at this. You'll get well, it. Well, it's during the fireside yes. Fridays. A little still heard that you call my 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 fire that I made a trash can, but we'll get past that. You we'll made get... it in a trash can, Jacob. I'm sorry. Go on. So, regardless of the spread, I always look outright. And uh, Tom, as we said in an earlier segment, it seems that we've made three or four different 180s on our opinions of this game, and most recently it came at the heels of the Alex Highsmith injury, compounded onto the absence already that we already knew of of Stefan Tuitt. I think I gotta go. To, I think I'm gonna go Buffalo in this game. I'm not gonna go as high scoring as you did. You went 31-27. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go a little bit lower scoring. I'm gonna go Buffalo 21, Pittsburgh 17. Well, there we go. We both picked the Buffalo Bills in this one. Unfortunately, it looks like in our mind the Steelers start 0-1, but that's okay. That is not a hole that is too deep to dig out of, Mm -hmm. and it's not a team that you should be ashamed about losing. In fact, if they keep it as close as both of us say, I think you can take a lot of positives away from that game as a Steelers fan. But that's going to do it for us on this episode of Steelers Standard. Thanks so much for listening. It's finally here. The weekend is right on the horizon. Of course, you got the little college football appetizer on Saturday, but the real deal starts this Sunday with the Bills and the Steelers at 1 o'clock, leading off a loaded 1 o'clock slate of games and then a loaded Sunday and, of course, Monday night of football action feels real good enjoy the football this weekend here we go Steelers up in Buffalo and for Jacob Recht I am Tom Opperman thanks as always for listening to this edition of the Steelers Standard